Cameron for reading our scripture. Tonight we are going to be looking at Genesis chapter 23. I would invite you to look at Genesis chapter 23, verses 1 through 4 in our study together. I mentioned this morning that the lesson that was presented earlier today was a result of one of our young folks had suggested that I preach on accountability. Another lesson that was suggested, a lesson on grief. And so I'm happy to try to present a lesson along the lines of grief. And I want to begin tonight by saying that many of us have been grief-stricken in days gone by. It might be the case that you as an individual person have experienced grief on a number of occasions. It might be you've never lost somebody close to you. And if that's the case, what a blessing. But sadly, I must inform you that if you live long enough, you'll lose people that are close to you. And so in Genesis chapter 23 tonight, I want to call attention to what the Bible has to say about Abraham and the loss of Sarah. As we begin tonight, as we think about the subject grief or grief stricken, I want to begin by, first of all, emphasizing the separation that Abraham faced. And there was a separation. The text tells us that Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And then in verse 2, so Sarah died. First, I think about the proclamation of her passing. Now Moses here is recording the events that had transpired in the lives of Abraham and Sarah. And so it's at this juncture that Moses informs his readers that Sarah, the wife of Abraham, had died. Now we talk about our time on earth. She lived to be 127 years of age. There are some people today that have lived well into their 90s. I think about James Brewer. He had the opportunity to live to be 95 years of age. And he was in amazing health. He was still playing golf and driving an automobile right up until the time that he died. And most of us, if we could live and be in good health up until 95 years, if somebody said, here's a contract, if you'll sign it, that's what would happen, we'd sign it immediately. The only downside is we don't have that luxury. But the Bible does talk about the span, the duration of life here on planet Earth. Now Job said, man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. James said in James chapter 4 verse 14 that life is like a vapor. He said it appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. The psalmist talked about how we might live to be 70 years of age. It might be that we live to the ripe age of 80 or beyond. But he said it is soon cut off. And we fly away. We sing the song, I'll fly away. Well, that's what happens. We eventually fly away into eternity. And so first there is the proclamation of her passing. And then I think about the place of her passing. 
Moses said that Sarah died in Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Now, you recall back in Genesis chapters 11 and 12, God had called Abraham and he said to Abraham that he was to leave his homeland and his family and come to a land that he said, I will show you. And he said, in you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And the promise made to Abraham fulfilled or realized in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God would send his son through the lineage or the seed line of Abraham, the patriarch, the father of the Hebrew nation. Hebron was located to the east of the Ur of the Chaldees. And so Abraham and Sarah, they migrated to this promised land, the land that God had spoken to him about earlier. Sometimes we talk about where a person has died. Where will you die? In Olive Branch? State of Mississippi? Will you die in Memphis, Tennessee? Will you die in another state? The fact of the matter is, we don't know where we will die. Nor do we know how we will die. We might die of old age. We might have a stroke, a heart attack. It might be that we are involved in some kind of accident. We don't know. Where we die, geographically speaking, is not relative or relevant. It's not really important. Now, it may be that we have certain inclinations. We'd like to die, maybe at home or in a certain location. But where we die, geographically speaking, physically speaking, is irrelevant. But spiritually speaking, that's what's most important. And by that I simply mean, are we going to die in Christ or out of Christ? There are only two places to die, either in or out of Christ. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, John said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. You can either die in the Lord or out of the Lord. The Bible says, speaking of Abraham and Sarah in Hebrews, or rather in Hebrews chapter 11 at verse 13, these all died in faith. They walked by faith, they lived by faith, and they died in faith. That ought to be our goal, our desire, to die as a faithful child of God. We ought to echo the sentiments of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1, when he said, For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To depart and be with Christ is far better. I'm not saying that we're looking to leave this world tonight or tomorrow or next week. But when that time comes, we want to die in Jesus. Because ultimately, that's where we are afforded the blessings of heaven. Paradise. Now there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. Not only do we think about the separation that Abraham faced, but the sorrow that Abraham felt. What about the sorrow that this great patriarch, a man identified as the friend of God, what about the sorrow he experienced or felt? I want to first of all talk about the depth, or rather the description, 
of his loss and then the depth of his loss. Think for a minute about what Moses has recorded. A very brief statement. Sarah died in Hebron in the land of Canaan. So she died. She has stepped out into eternity. And now Abraham is all alone, isn't he? He has lost a faithful wife. I do not know how long the two were together. But I suspect that they spent a lot of, a lot of time together. A lot of years had come and gone. And now Abraham is saying goodbye to, as some would say today, his soulmate. The person that has been there for him through thick and thin. And listen, they had been to the mountaintop together and they had been down in the valleys. The Bible says that whoever finds a wife finds a good thing. Abraham had a good thing going in Sarah. Here's something that you need to think about, all of us need to think about. Life runs out, doesn't it? And no matter what kind of run we've had in life, and no matter how lengthy that run may be, nothing lasts forever. When we talk about relationships that we enjoy here on planet Earth, we understand that at some point in time, Death is going to come between us and somebody that we love. Do you remember in John chapter 11 when Jesus was informed of the sickness of Lazarus? And then Jesus plainly said that Lazarus, our friend, is dead. You can see the reaction of Martha and then later Mary. They were both weeping. Because they had lost a brother that they loved. So when I think about the loss that Abraham has experienced on this occasion, first of all, I think about the fact that he has lost a faithful wife. And then secondly, I think about, here's a guy that has lost a faithful friend. Somebody said on one occasion, a friend is one before whom I may think aloud. Can you imagine how often Abraham and Sarah talked and how often they talked about life and about their experiences and about their home life? They had forged a friendship through the years. The Bible talks about how there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It's not uncommon to hear people that are married talk about he or she is or was my best friend. Abraham has just lost a faithful wife. He's lost a faithful friend. And then there's a third thing. He has lost the mother of his child. You can go back and read the account of God telling Abraham and Sarah that she would have a child in her old age. They had earlier tried to help God out by getting a handmaid for Abraham, and that turned out to be a mess. 
But later, God fulfilled that promise. And so Sarah conceives and brings forth a child in her old age. And so now Abraham is staring, staring death in the, in the face, as we would say. And he's lost a wife, a friend, the mother of his child. It may be that you're here tonight, and maybe you, like Abraham, have experienced that very same loss. I know that it's difficult sometimes to put into, into words how we feel, to articulate our feelings. But the beauty of the Bible is we're talking about real people. People that were just like us. Good times and bad times, joys and frustrations, heartaches and sorrows. It's part of life. So I think about this description of his loss. But what about the depth of his loss? Listen to what Moses said. Before I look at verse 2 or read verse 2, let me just make this observation. When you read the book of Genesis, and Genesis is the book of beginnings, the book of origins, the book opens with life. It closes in chapter 50 with death. There is life, Adam and Eve, and then you read about the death of Joseph. In chapter 5, over and over again, the expression is used, Andy died, Andy died, Andy died, over and over and over again. That is a commentary on humanity. We live and we die. So, what about the depth of his loss? Listen to what Moses said. Sarah died in Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. It's not wrong to hurt, to mourn the loss of a loved one, to feel a sense of despair, despondency. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't be human if you didn't feel those things. The Bible says not only did Abraham mourn for his, his beloved wife, but he wept for her. And all of us can appreciate those of us that have lost loved ones, whether it be a husband, a wife, a grandparent, a brother, sister, a child, a grandchild, we understand what it means to bid goodbye to somebody that we loved with all of our heart. And the depth of that law. Sometimes upon hearing the loss of a loved one, we're in a state of shock. And it's difficult for us to process what has just happened. And then as time begins to go on, we find out, you know what, they're not coming back. They're, they're not coming home. I, I'm not going to be able to talk to them on the telephone. I'm not going to be able to eat dinner with them. I'm not going to be able to do this or that. Why? Because they're gone. And so we are flooded with tears and anguish and hurt and sorrow. 
Do you remember in John chapter 11, I mentioned a moment ago the death of Lazarus. I think sometimes we need to understand that Jesus is sympathetic to our plight here on planet Earth. We sing the song, Does Jesus Care? And the response is, Oh yes, I know He cares. Do you remember in John chapter 11 when Mary and Martha met the Lord? They said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. But in John 11 verse 35, the Bible says that Jesus wept. He wept over whom? Not a mate, not, not a child, not a brother or sister. He wept over the loss of a friend. When you hurt, when you're in mourning, when you're, when you're lying in the bed crying with tears running down your face, I want you to understand something. The Lord understands. The Lord knows what you feel. The Hebrew writer said, We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus can identify with how we feel. Not only can he sympathize, he can empathize with us. And so we, we need to remember that. And so, there was separation and there was sorrow. I wish that since I've been here, if, if I guess if I had my will, we would not have lost anyone because no one wants to say goodbye to loved ones. I'm not really sure how many people we've lost over the course of some eight years, but I know it's been a lot. I have no idea how many, how many funerals I've conducted or Jared's conducted. I don't keep a log, I don't know. But I know it's been too many. And I know if the Lord allows me to stay here, there'll be more. And why is that? Because it's called life. Life is always followed by death. Now, there's a third thing I want you to see in our study. And that is the strength that Abraham forged. Moses said that Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Now look at verse 3. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a sojourner among you. Give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Two thoughts here. First of all, there is the importance, the essentiality of burying a loved one. It's not easy to make arrangements, to go through that process of preparation, to say goodbye to a wife or a husband or a brother or a sister or a son, or a daughter, or a friend, a classmate, a co-worker, whomever. It's never easy. And I suspect that the most difficult part of the burial process is when we get to the cemetery. And there are passages that typically we read 
the side of an open grave. Passages like Psalm 23, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Passages that inspire hope and remind us that that body that we're putting in the ground, though that body may sleep in the ground for hundreds of thousands of years, that soul or spirit has gone home to be with God. That would, of course, be the case for those who die in Christ. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 that when death comes, the body returns to dust from whence it was taken. But he said the soul of the spirit returns to God. Do you remember in Luke 23, in about verse 43, when one of the thieves said to Jesus, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And the Lord said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. When people die in Christ, they go to paradise. It's identified by Jesus as the bosom of Abraham. It is a place of rest, according to John in Revelation chapter 14, 13. It is a place that is described by the Apostle Paul as gain. It is a place said to be far better from our vantage point, and we're looking at it from the human side. All we see is a void. We see tears and sadness. The fact that the one we loved is no longer with us. And so we have to go through this burying process. It's not easy. It's never easy. It, it might be a little bit easier when somebody has lived a long life and they die in Christ because they've had a good life and now they're home with the Lord. But there's a second thing I want you to see. First, there is the necessity of burying a loved one. And then secondly, there's the necessity of carrying on without a loved one. Once we get to the cemetery and place that body in the vault of the earth, there's nothing more we can do physically for that person. Abraham had to take care of that physical interment of his wife. And at that point, he then had to carry on, forge forward, as we say. Now, is it easy to move forward after such a terrible loss. In no way would I ever say that it is because I don't, I don't think it is. And the greater the loss, the greater the difficulty in moving on. Again, I think about somebody who's lived to be 70, 80, 90 years of age. They've had a good life. They've had a good run. I'm not saying that, we, I'm not saying that we, we're not sad when they die, but it's a lot different than somebody who dies as a teenager or a young person. So how do we respond? How do we carry on? There are some things that I think maybe we ought to consider just very quickly. 
First, I would say, remember the good times. Solomon said, a merry heart does good like medicine. It's not going to do any good to think about the negative, the bad, the hard times. So my advice would be, don't do that. Think about the good times. Think about times that you spent eating together and laughing together. Maybe even crying together. Think about the time that you spent together and thank God for that time. Give God thanks that that person was a viable part of your life. A second thing, I would encourage all of us to read and reread the scriptures. You'll be amazed at the encouragement that you can get from opening God's Word. I mentioned this before, and I want to mention it again very quickly. Many years ago, there was a preacher in the state of Alabama, Franklin Camp, who lost his six-year-old daughter in a house fire. At the end of that year, he tried to sit down and put into perspective the things that he had learned over the course of that past year. And some of the things that he had done. And one of the things that, that really stuck with me is the fact that he said over the course of that year, from the time that his daughter died until the end of the year, he said, I read the scriptures looking for comfort and consolation. The Bible says God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I would encourage us to read those passages that remind us of the comfort that we have in God, the refuge, the strength that we can gain through Him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible talks about how God is the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Think about that. God has the ability, the power, to respond to us and to provide comfort for us and to know that, that God is aware of where we are in life. I use this passage a lot, and the reason I do because I love it. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter said, Casting all your care on Him, for He cares for you. When you lose somebody and you read passages like that, it resonates. It ought to resonate. It ought to say that there is a God in heaven that cares about me and His care is such that He wants me to take my burdens, my heartaches, my sorrows, my losses, and lay them before His throne. Because He's there for us. And then there's another thing. And I would say, in close connection to reading the Scriptures, I would encourage all of us to resolve to pray more deeply. When Jesus faced death, do you know what he did? He prayed. The Bible says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. The Hebrew writer said, in the, who in the days of his flesh offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him who was able to save him from death. Now listen to what he says. And he was heard. When you bow your head and your heart is broken and you have tears running down your face and you're at a loss for what to do? Remember, God heard Jesus, and He'll hear your prayers.
The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his, prayer, his ears are open unto their prayers. When we pray, we can expect to have the absolute undivided attention of Almighty God. That's a great blessing. I would also encourage us to rely on our friends, our family members, and particularly our church family. Listen to what Paul said in in the book of Romans, in chapter 12, and about verse 15. Paul said, rejoice with them that rejoice, but then he said, weep with them that weep. We are a family of believers, aren't we? And because we are a family of believers, we can unite. And as a nucleus, as a family, as a household, we can be supportive of one another. Here's what Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Aren't you grateful to have people that love you? Aren't you thankful to have people that you can turn to in times of sadness and loss and say, look, I'm having a tough time. I need your prayers. I need your encouragement. And sometimes it may be the case that they, that is our friends, our family members, our, our, our church family, doesn't necessarily, it may be the case that it's unsolicited. That rather than them coming to us, we go to them. And I really think that's what the scriptures are talking about. We go to them. There's a final thing I'd say. And that is, at best, life is so short. I know that from our vantage point, it can seem like an eternity here upon earth. But you know what? It'll be over before you know it. And so when we lose loved ones in Christ, is there pain and sadness and sorrow? Yes. Is there a void? Yes. But if you want to think about some incentive to live right, Think about your loved ones that are over on the other side. Think about your wife or your husband, your son or your daughter, your brother or your sister, whomever, your grandparent. You think about them in the arms of Jesus and you determine within your heart where they are, that's where I want to go. This past week, I received a, it's really a, an email from time to time from my home church. And they have various, it's called encouragement.net, I think. But they talk about things that are going on in the congregation and if there are special prayer requests or things that come up. So I got, I got an email this week, the latter part of this week. And it was an email about a sister in Christ, longtime member of my home church. Her husband was an elder. As a matter of fact, her husband played football for the University of Alabama. Good people. Her husband died several years ago. And she's now coming to the end of the line with cancer. And so in the email, her daughter 
talked about how her mother has, has moved from Chattanooga to Nashville. She's in a, I'm not sure if it's a hospice house or in some type of nursing home. But she said her mother would love to see her friends because she loves her friends. This lady, obviously in a lot of pain, said to her daughter, I wish Jesus would just come and take me now. And she said, when he takes me, I hope when I get on the other side that Tuck, that is her husband, she said, when I get there, I hope Tuck is singing bass. That's where we're headed, folks. So I would hope and pray that we'll live a godly life in Christ. This life's going to come to an end. And it hurts to lose people that you love. But there's better days coming. Would you pray with me? Our Father, our Father, our Father in heaven, we're grateful for this day. We're thankful for all the blessings that we enjoy in Christ. We're grateful for the privilege of prayer, for the opportunity to read your word. We're grateful for the comfort that we have in Christ and with one another. Help us, Father, to see beyond this life to a better life. In Jesus' name, amen. It might be the case that you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. I would encourage you to come to Christ. To believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That He's who He claimed to be. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins. Why won't you do what they did on Pentecost Day? Be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away. Why don't you do that? Become a member of the church. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful, could we encourage you to come home? Could we encourage you to come back to a loving God who paid the ultimate price for your sins? Would you come as we stand and sing?